Kings of the Podcast, episode 147. Dennis Bernstein, you ready to rock today? I am ready to rock, Jay. I'm back from Dallas, uh, waiting in a couple of weeks for the All-Star weekend. I believe you're going to be in Florida as well. Looking forward to that, but uh, ready to hit this episode. So, DB, I mean, you know, a million things can happen between now and then, but we actually... We've put some thought into this, and if everything works out correctly, we're going to do another podcast in Florida together. Usually one of us is out of town. You're out of town or I'm out of town. We're both going to be out of town, and we're going to be in the same town. So the next podcast will be coming to you live from the All-Star Game in Florida. Not a bad gig, Dennis. It's 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 We're privileged, Jay. That's all I'll say. So, yeah, it'll be be great to do it on the road somewhere for sure. It's been a while. I think our last true, true road remote uh, would have been from, do you know when? Yeah, uh, Outdoor Game Colorado Springs. Which was a fantastic time, of course. Uh, Dustin Brown was my Uber driver picking me up at the airport, which was fantastic. <laughs> I was, uh, what a great trip. That was that was yeah, just a wonderful trip. Hill, climbing up the hill from the parking lot at uh, at. Uh, Falcon Stadium. That was a bit of a challenge for me. So at six thousand. Well, other than parking, look, we're not years from now. We shouldn't be talking about the parking. We should be talking about the beautiful stadium, the great game, to Foley scoring the hat trick, and then saying basically, "Trade me right now." It was like a scene out of Slapshot. I mean, it was it was outstanding, right? Oh yeah, no, the venue was amazing. It was it was fantastic, but the, the traffic getting in and out, and it was an issue getting out of the stadium. Some guy jumped off a bridge. So, but it was a lot of fun. It, it was a lot of fun. I look forward to the next one, uh, the next event Kings uh, are in. You mean another uh, another outdoor game, like maybe yeah. a home and home with Vegas, or uh, you know, who knows? Maybe a I game keep in Australia. To Gary Bettman about that one <laughs> SoFi, one at Allegiant, but it's not uh, it's not breaking through yet. Gary likes those outdoor stadiums, John, not the indoor stadiums. Well, I went to an outdoor indoor game, the ECHL version of the Ontario Reign. They played the old Las Vegas Thunder, I believe was the name. Or no, the Wranglers, I'm sorry. Was it the Thunder or the Wranglers? Whatever the team was. Uh, It it just so happened to be when Kyle Clifford during the lockout was playing with the um, Ontario Reign. And uh, we went up there for the indoor classic which they, they did artificial snow in the arena. So you were, you were inside, but it still snowed, Dennis. Yeah, I, I actually, we, there was a, an indoor stadium game. The Heritage Classic in Vancouver, they played at BC Place, which okay. is a dome stadium. So there mm-hmm. is precedent for that. And I guess in Vancouver, when it's 
not freezing cold and it might rain. That makes a lot of sense. But, uh, yeah, you know, I love the big events. So do you, John. So it's just a lot of fun. It's just, uh, again, you have to remember it's an event. It's more than just a game. Absolutely. Well, you want to talk big. Let's talk this. Uh, one of our recent guests, probably the guy who's been on the show more than anybody, I think, one of our favorites and personally the guy that I think should be calling NHL games, Steven Nelson, he's going to be doing work for the Dodgers calling baseball games this coming season, DB. Yeah, and, you know, we're not good at keeping secrets, me and you and John, but this one we did. So he, <laughs> when he came on the podcast the last time, he kind of tipped it, but we were happy to to not share that information. But Good things happen to good people, John. You know that. And that's certainly the case uh, with Steven Nelson. We're thrilled. We're thrilled he's coming back home because that, his home base is Southern California. But couldn't be happier for a guy who really wanted that job. And uh, it's, a, it's a high prestige, John. You know, you do an intentional talk. You do some initial network. But when you step up in the Dodgers booth where Vin once spoke, uh, that that's a major move for Steven Nelson. Very, very happy for him. And hopefully, somewhere down the line, maybe he can find a way to slide into a chair and call some LA Kings games. That would be pretty outstanding. We'd love to have Nelly doing some some more hockey. He's he's a hockey guy. He's from SoCal. Okay, he comes home and he gets to call the Dodgers. That's great. But I don't think it's going to get any better than calling LA Kings games. We'll cross that bridge later in life, no, Dennis. I agree. That would be Yeah, exactly. For sure. Okay, so we're excited for Nelly. So congratulations to Steven Nelson. And for some reason, you've never heard the episodes with him on the podcast. He's been the voice for Team USA at the World Junior Championships over the last, uh, man, it seems like three, four, five years now. I'm not really sure exactly yep. how long it's been off the top of my head, but he's been on the program uh, at least three or four times now and uh, teed up that tournament, which, of course, as everybody knows, is one of my favorite tournaments. It's the best hockey tournament in the world. It takes place every year, starting the day after Christmas for two weeks. Uh, the Kings have been... Fortunate enough to have a ton of prospects playing at the World Juniors uh, over the last couple of years. And by the way, Dennis, we have a guest coming on the program today who was at the World Juniors, played for yes. Team Canada. We're talking about Jordan Spence, of course. Uh, he's part-time with the Ontario Reign, part-time with the LA Kings. He just <laughs> loves to play hockey. So we'll bring him in during the second period and we'll have a chat with him. Before we do, though, Dennis, why don't we divide the show up today? The first period... Why don't we sort of do a quick recap, kind of talk about what's been going on, because there's been a lot going on with some injuries and some other stuff um, over this homestand that just concluded. The L.A. Kings are now going on a six game road trip, which is timed out kind of weird the way it is with a couple of back to back games and some some days off. I think Todd said the other night it's six games over like 18 days or something. I don't yeah. remember exactly, yeah, no, but it's it, it's just it is a long time to be gone just to play six games, but it will lead yeah. into the all-star break that you uh, mentioned earlier. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the road trip in the third period, but let's talk about what's been going on recently. So why don't we start in goal? Uh, Phoenix Copley. He has overall a great record with the LA Kings. I believe it's 12 and three. He has lost two of his last four, or two of his last five games. Um, he gave up four goals in each of those games. It has, has the magic worn off? Are we about to see, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, yeah. are, are the lights getting turned off here? Is, is the magical run over? What is it? Is the glass sip, slipper been returned or something like that? But it's been a wonderful ride up until now. But for Candy Canes, DB, uh, what do you think? Well, the other analogy would be what? Cinderella it's, it's striking midnight. Uh, and th there you go. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. Right. Thank you for filling in. Uh, I would say no because of this. Look at the two teams he lost to. Boston and Dallas. Boston doesn't lose to anybody. And Dallas is a first place team, and they're really good. And yeah, the first the first goal he gave up to Tarl Sagan in the loss uh, put the team behind the eight ball. But when you score zero goals, you can't win that game. So I, I'm not convinced that yet. Look, 
Was it probably his worst game in net for the Kings? Yeah. Yes. But uh, it's okay. They didn't score that game. So, uh, I, I, John, I think what you see on this road trip, like when, when, when they get to the end of the Carolina game, then you can make a judgment call on Phoenix Copley. I, I do not think this is the beginning of the end because, again, those are two difficult teams. Yeah, he didn't play great, but neither did the team as well. Now, the goaltending usage has been interesting, and I don't necessarily mean this as a criticism of Todd because he's somewhat limited right now, right? Because he Jonathan Quick has not been playing well, and so you're trying to spare him some some responsibility, and you're trying to ride the hot hand with Phoenix Copley as well. But I, I will at least say, in my opinion, Dennis, starting Quick against the Devils uh, yeah. the Saturday before, that was a curious start. Um, again, not the reason that they lost. The Devils won that game 5-2. But a curious start because it just didn't look like that was the game to start Jonathan Quick. It looked like you would have started Jonathan Quick the prior game, which was the game against San Jose. That's not the way he went and did it, though. He gave Quick the start against the Devils. So, interesting. Um, if you go back, coming out of the uh, coming out of the, the, the New Year's uh, day and starting into this year, so the Bruins were in town. Uh, right after the Kings played in Dallas. The Kings won that game back on January 3rd in Dallas. They won 3-2. The Bruins came to town and started the homestand, essentially. I know there was a game with Vegas in between there, but the right. uh, the Bruins came to town, and it was 5-2 in that game right. for the uh, the Kings lost. The Kings then went to Vegas, and they won that game 5-1, which was a pretty convincing and decisive win especially considering that they had just beaten vegas 4-2 about a week before that uh coming out of the christmas break so you get two wins against vegas who is a team that you know they're ahead of you in the standings those are big games db and in those games the kings look like world beaters in the sense that they look like they could hang pound for pound with any team in the division and for me that's what makes the bruins loss uh, sting a little bit more is that yes i know the bruins don't lose to anybody but the Kings looked like they could hang with anybody. Um, I guess the Bruins didn't didn't forget, though, that home loss uh, from a few weeks or from last month, I guess. And they wanted redemption. Is that is that probably the storyline in that Bruins game here in L.A.? I would say the storyline, if you're 2-2 with the Bruins in the third period, that's almost like a win, John, <laughs> against that team that never loses. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of revenge, but uh, – Boston just finds a way to win, John. You know, they have depth, they have goaltending, the defense is solid. So it, it's no, you know, when you look at that game, you're saying, okay, this is probably a loss, uh, even though it's at home. But uh, it was a solid effort. But, yeah, the game after that, John, I, I think without question, the, the most complete 60 minutes were against Vegas in Vegas. That was a dominant performance. They suffocated the team. And granted, yeah, and there were a couple of guys out for, for Vegas. But still, that was a complete 60 minutes. I think that's the kind of platinum standard. If they can get back to that level – they're going to win a lot more games in the second half. Well, it wasn't just that game, though, also, DB, because two nights later, again, the game you just mentioned was mm -hmm. in Vegas on January 7th. You get to January 9th, two days later, that's the game at home where they beat the Oilers 6-3. It might have been their best home win of the entire season. Yeah, and unlike last season, John, what this team is doing now, they're winning in the Pacific Division. Remember, the last couple of seasons, they could not beat – they had terrible times against the opposition in the Pacific. Not so this season. You mentioned two wins against Vegas. They beat Edmonton twice. That 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 bodes well for them in the second half. But, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a nice win. I don't think it was complete because they just – Vegas just didn't have anything offensively. And maybe that's something that's on Vegas. Maybe they were asleep a little bit. But that was a really, really solid defensive performance in Vegas. Not so much in, in Edmonton, but you found a way to win against a team that now all of a sudden is pretty hot. 
are you saying that you didn't think that 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 the win against Edmonton was probably their best win at home this year? Um. Yeah. It w- yeah. It was their best win at home. It wasn't their best win. It wasn't oh, their best okay. performance. Yeah. No. I was saying the, at yeah, home. The Vegas game was more. Um. In in the. So back to the goaltending then. So. Why go to Copley? Yeah. So you, you win the game in Vegas, you win the game at home against Edmonton, and then you go right back to Copley. This is on Wednesday the 11th. In that game against mm-hmm. the Sharks, why not go to Jonathan Quick in that game there? It's been a while since he's played. You're going to need to get him a game. Why not that game instead of the instead of the afternoon game at home against New Jersey? Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with you, John. Just that you would have, if he, if he doesn't play against San Jose, then he's got, what, four days off to play New Jersey. I guess that's rest, but he's going to, he got that rest when he didn't play because he played against San Jose and didn't play Dallas. He had nine days off or eight days off. So he hadn't played. Yeah, I'm curious. Look, look if Quick stops that third goal, we're not having this conversation about who rests and who should have played. Because that's the problem, is that once a game, John gives up a goal that is either a backbreaker or a momentum shifter. Here on the third goal, that defenseman from Jersey, the Russian kid, is shooting off his back foot, leaning away from the from the from the goal. You got to stop that shot, and that wound up being the game winner. Well, you're trying to give him also opportunities to succeed. So you're giving him the weaker opponents in general, right? He played against yeah, the Flyers on the 31st. It. And so, yeah, it had been a week since he played, and so he's going to need to play. If you're looking to give him time off, um, then, yeah, you're, you're giving him a little bit more time off by waiting to, 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 until the Devils game. Um, but I, I, I just thought it was And, John, you know, in retrospect, if you want a Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking it, the fact that Copley was off for over a week and he gives up that first goal, he was rusty, right? That's what you could say. So, yeah, you could question the rotation there because, yeah, the, their, the, the convention would be quicker against the lesser team and Copley playing the better teams. But I don't think you can cherry pick. I think at some point, John, Quick's got to go win, beat a good team. Like, you mm-hmm. just can't cherry pick and say Anaheim, Arizona, San Jose. Like, you go out, if anything, go out and win that game against New Jersey. And I'm curious to see how they're utilized on the six-game road trip now. So I'm, I I would agree with what you're saying. I'm also going to Monday morning quarterback a couple of other things here. The use of Kevin Fiala. I, I'm, so at the be- just to quickly recap, at the beginning of the year, he's up with Andre Kopitar. They don't seem to have much chemistry. It's just not working the way that everybody expected it to work. So they drop Copley down. He's on the third line. A little bit of punishment as well because Fiala was said to be not necessarily playing the system and and, and right. buying in as much and doing what he needed to do. So, you know, you, you can put lipstick on a pig and try to try to – Tell, tell us that it was something else, but there was a little bit of punishment in there perhaps, but the point is it worked out well. He came out smelling like roses out of this, right? He goes down to the third line and he performs very well. And then eventually he goes back up with Kopitar and mm-hmm. it works. Okay. It works better than the first time. Fine. Right. Then he's back down on the third line. And then now recently Fiala has been moved back up to the top line. And I understand they have, you know, these couple losses here plus some injuries. So it gives you an opportunity to change up the lineup, but, I'm just going to say this, and I know we're talking about small sample sizes. I'm still mm-hmm. not convinced that I like Kevin Fiala playing up with Andre Kopitar, and I like Fiala down on the third line. Ignore the money in the contract and everything else. I like the fact yeah. that he's down there creating his own offense and giving them a third line option. So maybe you're going to say I'm reading too much into these last two losses here, but I don't like Fiala playing up there on the top with Kopitar. Put him back on the third line. I I, I don't think anything's cast in stone because, first of all, John, I'm not worried about it now because they're down four forwards, right? Moore's not there. Kaliev's not there. Gabe was out. Grunstrom's out. So you want to put him first or third? It's John, as long as he's productive. It doesn't matter 
If he's productive on the third line, he's playing 15 minutes instead of 17 or 18 minutes, fine. Right? If you want to play better defense, maybe put him on the penalty kill and you force him to play some defense in this game. But look, his are like guys will tell you privately, he's not the easiest player to play against, right? He's not a straight line player. He's a freelancer. He's all over the ice. Like, does he make somebody? Yeah, we talked about this since game one. Right. So I get it. I understand it. And sometimes it's about flow. If you're getting flow in the third line, no problem with it. If he's getting a point a game, John, I don't care if he's playing 15, 17, 19, 21, first, second, third, doesn't matter. I think that's the player because of his gifts. You can do that with. That's the one. That's the flip side of the coin. Is like, hey, you can move this guy in and out and up and down. He doesn't need the consistency of two, uh, two line partners. Like he can do that, and he can go play with Velarde. He can go play with Kopitar. So I get your point. And if it takes moving him down to the third line, I don't care either. It doesn't matter. Like, is he putting points on the board? Well, the other reason I like him down on the third line right now, probably even more than I would have before, is the fact that you have guys that are out injured. And so if you move him up, you're almost stacking that top six. And to me, this team plays better when they can balance out that scoring, when they can roll more lines, when they're not top heavy. Hell, we've seen as recently as two years ago, this was a one-line team. You shut down the top line. Prior to Phil Deneau getting here, this was a one-line team. You shut the Kopitar line down, you stop the LA Kings. Period. Done. Right. Done. The game's over. So adding Phil Deneau gave them a little bit more offense, gave them two lines, gave them a different look. And Fiala, especially when he's been on the third line this year, to me, he's given them a third line of offense and he's been getting mm-hmm. his points. DB, he's yeah. been racking up points here. I mean, not only does he lead the team, but you just look at over the last 10, 12 games. He's been putting points up. He's yeah. been very consistent. So I don't understand the and I know that Todd's going to say that part of it has to do with the type of player because they want certain types of players on each line. Sure. It's it, but it's also the reason why I didn't like them moving up Jad and and putting Fagamo down on the fourth line the other yeah. night. It doesn't make sense to me. I know that Fagamo is not the same type of player as Gabe Velarde. He plays a heavy four check game. He's a sniper when he's going to score, and he's probably going to get his points on the power play. Fine. He's Trevor Lewis with a better scoring touch, as I said on Bally's the other night. Okay, fine. But Jad is working on that fourth line. Why not leave that down there yeah. and then plug Fagamo in on that third line? in place of Velarde, right? And yeah. and then just roll with that, and it requires the least amount of changes. But I, I think, John, what happens is, like, Jod has uh, Todd's trust now. He trusts that player to put him up on the top six. He doesn't know enough about Fagamo in, in game situations to do that. And I agree with you. The style of the player and what the potential is and what their gifts are, their strengths are, would deem moving Sammy up in the lineup – I just think he trusts Jod. He wants to give him a shot up there, and he can rely on him because it's not just the offense; it's the defensive side of the puck as well. So, and that's the one thing that Jod's done this season, John. He's gained the trust of Tom McClellan without question. Like he's a reliable, probably bottom six guy, but in 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 a pinch. And again, you're talking about four forwards being out in a pinch. I've got no problem with because I think there's a a much more uh, there's a lot more trust between Todd and Jod this season. I don't want to nitpick you there, but it's really three forwards Good. being out because while there are four injured, there's really only three of them that would be in the lineup on any given night because Grunstrom yeah. probably rotates out. But it, fine, three or four. Yes, they. it's more than one injury, and it is significant. I think uh, just to mm-hmm. talk about the injuries for a quick second, DB, and then we can talk about defensively. Um, sure. On the injury front, we sort of had a timeline. We sort of knew what was going on with Kalia, with him being in the boot and whatnot. And, you know, it's going to be an extended mm-hmm. thing. It's not going to be week to week. The Trevor Moore thing is kind of interesting because no one's talking about it. And he's not even back skating, DB. I would have liked to have seen him skating. At least I don't think he was. And from yeah. all indications, he wasn't back skating this week. You need him back on the ice so that you can get him ready. If he's not skating, he's not coming back in the next couple of days. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think he's going to make this trip. I, I think you're not seeing that player until after the All-Star break because it's been lingering and it's uh, you see him around the team, but he's not on the ice. And you got to get for being out this long, John, like you got to go back on the ice and get conditioned. Right. And which is going to take at least a few days to get up to speed. So it, I don't really see it unless there's a turnaround here in the next, let's say, 24 to 40 hours before the, the let's say, the Chicago game. I don't really see it. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Right. Because it you need. And here's the thing. They're getting hit in some of the areas that limit how they put the line combinations together. Yep. We could do a whole two hours on putting line combinations together and how you put, right, a guy who's like an follow. He plays a certain sure. style on a line that maybe uh, Ardvidsson doesn't play or that Velarde doesn't play. Fiala, he's a, he's a roamer, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, all these right. different combinations. But you really need, you need more back or you need Kaliev back or you right. need Velarde back. You need yep. one more of those forwards back it makes a Agreed. huge difference in the reconfiguration. It's not it just does. that you need all three or four of them back. No. You really need just one back to really get things rolling again. Now you've crossed that that sort of bridge of, okay, we can get through it, to now it's like almost crisis mode because you can't be down this many mm -hmm. forwards. Th these are key players in, in the top nine. You're talking about the second leading goal scorer on the team. Like It's going to impact your offense without question. So yeah, it, it's it's tough. It's a struggle, but everybody's bang. You know, all teams are banged up right now. Look what look what happened to Max Pacioretty in, in Carolina and yeah. Cole Caulfield today, gone for the season, shoulder surgery. So it, it's it's a tough run right now. And hopefully, on the front end of this road trip, there are quote unquote easier games. I don't want to jinx it, but these are games against Nashville and Philadelphia and Chicago. Got to even with a depleted lineup, got to go get these wins. Here's the other thing, too, Dennis. Not only do you have to go out and get the wins, but this is a great opportunity for some of these young players to be able to get some experience. And, you know, we're going to bring Jordan Spence in in a few minutes. He is a better player today, even if he's playing in Ontario. He is a better player today because of the NHL experience that he had last year. So every game that Sammy Fagamo gets in the lineup, and he's only going to get in the lineup right now if somebody's injured. So that's only going to make him better. And you talked about Jad earning the 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 um, the confidence you know and the trust of Todd McClellan he's getting in games and he's getting a lot more minutes he's gaining in his levels of responsibility because he's been playing and if you're playing that gives you and the coach an opportunity to develop that confidence that you're talking about so although it's a bummer that guys like Cali of guys like Moore yeah, guys like Velarde might not be in the lineup it is actually a benefit if you want to see the positive it's a benefit to guys like Sammy Fagamo and even perhaps to Alex Turcott so we can talk a little bit more about uh, Turk and, and and how these forwards might be used as we move forward here. Why don't we do this though, Dennis? Why don't we switch gears and talk defensively? Why don't we bring in Jordan Spence on the other side of the break? He's dying to get in the mix, Dennis. The top six on the defensive side are pretty set, but you do have this guy named Jordan Spence. Let's bring him in on the other side of the break and we'll tack Spenny. That's what they call him, Dennis. We're going to talk with Spenny right after the break. Welcome back. Second period, Kings of the Podcast. We are joined now by one of the rising stars on the Kings uh, blue line among their prospects. I'm talking about Jordan Spence. 
I guess it's Spinny. I'm not down with that. So we're going to have to come up with a different nickname. But uh, so Jordan is too formal. But uh, Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you? Well, let's start there. Did you do, do you have another nickname? Because I know Todd calls you Spinny and I've heard a couple of the other guys do that. But uh, I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. So like wh- wh- what did your mom call you? What did your best friend call you growing up? <laughs> um, honestly, like everyone calls me Spenny except for for my parents. Like my parents would call me Jordan, but <laughs> you have a middle besides, name. Do you have a middle name? Yeah, yeah, I have a middle name. My middle name's Jay. Jay. Yeah, I'm gonna try that because it could be short for Jordan too. I'm gonna try it. Jordan's too formal, but okay, we're gonna try that. All right, let's. let's but no, it's not gonna work as DB calls me Jay, so that's not gonna work. All right, JJ. I'll try to JJ. Try there, you, JJ there you go. I will. Uh, there you go, JJ. I'll see if I can. Uh, I'll test it out for this interview and see if I can come to grips with Spenny, see if it works for me. So, uh, Spenny, for those of you, yeah, see, it just doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. Um, for, for those of you, for those that don't know the story of JJ, uh, born in Australia, raised in Japan by way of Canada uh, and eventually landed here in LA. So I- I'm sure you've told the story a hundred times now or a hundred thousand, but just give everybody the quick taste of how that all came together, being born in Australia, raised in Japan, et cetera. Give us, give us the dime store version real quick. Yeah, well, um, I was well, I, I'm gonna say it again. I was I was born in Australia. Um, I was I was there uh, about a year or so um, around there. Just I think my parents w- went to visit Australia for a couple of years to kind of explore and travel. So I was born there, and then uh, they've decided to just move back to Japan because on my mom's side, um, I had my grandparents there and all that. So. From from a baby till I was 13 years old, I I grew up there. So I started hockey in Japan. Um, so I was technically just raised in Japan pretty much my whole life, and then decided to move to Prince Edward Island when I was 13 to kind of pursue with hockey and and other things as well as learning learning another language. So when you were in Japan, um, hockey is not a big sport there, but um combat sports are were you were you a fan of of pro wrestling or of uh mma or or taekwondo any martial arts anything at all or was it just hockey for you uh for me i actually started um playing hockey first and when i was around five or six years old i started playing baseball so we i kind of started baseball and hockey a little bit at the same time and then i i played two sports uh, until i was 13 until I moved to Prince Edward Island, actually. Jordan, when you see Aaron Judge sign for $360 million for nine years, did you say, hmm, maybe, maybe I should have picked baseball? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, um, yeah, that, that is a lot of money. And it was, it was a tough decision for me to kind of decide what I wanted to do and what I wanted to play. And it was, it was pretty it was a hot topic when I, when I was really deciding it with my parents and, you know, I, I just, I just love to play hockey more. So that's why I went on that path. And then that's why we kind of, one of the reasons we decided to move to Canada was because for me to kind of see how I can adjust and how, how, uh, yeah, I can, I can play in the Canadian hockey and see what I can do here. And Jordan, when you moved to Canada, 
you, I think what it said, like maybe 99% of the time you spoke Japanese. So like, how did you learn English? Were you tutored to your parents? How did you learn to come to a new country like Canada and learn English? Yeah, well, um, when I was in Japan for a little bit, obviously my uh, my dad is Canadian, so he right. would kind of help me a little bit with the English. Um, it wasn't too good, to be honest. <laughs> I could only communicate, just say, hi, how are you doing, all that stuff. But I think when I moved to PEI, um, I think one of the best things that kind of, for me, I like I learned it quick was when I when I played with my teammates and um, just trying to communicate with with them. It was it was kind of frustrating at first, just because you know I wanted to make friends and um, do all those things. But um, I think that's like a little bit of a motivation of of me just trying to learn it as fast as possible. So um, you know, obviously, school helped me a lot because I had a um, a different class for me because I was lacking with speaking and, you know, communicating. So I think that that's, that's what kind of helped me communicate really in general. Now, look, one of the things that has impressed me about you really from the beginning of uh, being part of the King's prospect pool, but especially more so over the last year, you are a very polished speaker it's funny we're talking here about english being a you know a different language for you but you you remind me of mikey anderson in many ways where you come across as more mature than your years and you're you're you say the right thing and you do the right thing and i I specifically remember at one point earlier this year we were having a conversation after a game and you were talking about working on the defensive part of your game and i think you had just scored a goal that night and you didn't want to talk about it you wanted to talk about being more defensive oriented and rounding out your game just just doing and saying all the right things I'm just giving you a heads up and a warning. That's not what this show is about. We're here to have a good time and have some fun. So you're going to have to let your hair down a little bit tonight, JJ. Yeah, I know. I know. I think for me, like as I was growing up, like, um, you know, I was, I was kind of lacking a little bit of communicating with uh, the scouts and um, all those things as I was growing up during the QMJHL draft and stuff. So that's like one of the, things I, I kind of worked on with with my dad actually so it's, that's I think it it kudos to to my dad for kind of for me to just work on it and kind of you know just saying the right things and doing all those stuff what's your dad's name my dad's name's Adam all right so shout out to Adam good job Adam you raised a good boy here he says and does all the right things he's a very he's a very polite young man I'm sure I'm sure Adam is listening right now who was the scout from the Kings that first uh, connected with you was it uh, was it Bernie? I'm I'm sure it wasn't Yanetti. So who who was the scout up there in the queue that connected with you first? Um, well, I talked to Yanetti actually just at uh, the combine. Um, I didn't meet him until the NHL combine. So um, what was that like? In the queue, it was good. Um, you know, it was nerve wracking a little bit <laughs> just just meeting with all the teams. And not meet, hold like, on, hold on, hold on. Not meeting with Yank specifically. He wasn't grilling you. He wasn't. He wasn't looking like the tough guy in the corner. I mean, yeah. Well, he was actually. I was. I was scared. Um, you know, I, I wanted to say the right things and kind of just, you know, obviously for me, like before getting drafted, I wanted them to pick me, and I thought we had a great conversation. But like at that time in that meeting, I was. I was. I was 
crap in my pants a little bit, to be honest. No, wait, hold on. No, I, I want to clarify. You wanted to be drafted or you wanted L.A. to draft you? Because those are two different statements. Uh, well, first of all, I did want to get drafted. And I think after the conversations that I had with L.A., um, I, I was like, I want to get drafted to L.A. And luckily, it, it happened. So... Well, tell us about that then. What, why? What, what happened in that conversation that, you know, warmed your heart or, or, or drew you to L.A., made you think, like, this is a great organization or I want to be part of it? Tell, tell us more specifically. What, what was it about that conversation? I, I think for, uh, for me, like, it, you, it's such a great organization. Um, but I think the conversations went smoothly. Um, it was more interesting than other teams, for personally for me. And I could tell that there were – they were interested in me. So I think that's, that's one of the reasons why I was like, you know, if they're that interested in me and kind of wanted to get to know me and talk about all the things like that's that's where I was like, yeah, like I, I do want to get, the, I want to get drafted here and um, see where things go from, from there. Jordan. Um, so you do get drafted. You're playing your first NHL game last year. You get your first goal. Are you a sentimental guy? Do you have a man cave? Where's the first puck, the first goal that you scored? Did you give to your parents? Like, uh, do you do you keep keepsakes about uh, your journey through hockey? Yeah, I actually do. Like, um, you know, all those things that, like, the especially the first goal, first NHL game. I I always give it to my parents, and you know, it's for for personally for me. Like, I think it's just. What the reason why I'm here and uh, I'm playing hockey is because of my parents and the sacrifice they made in order for me to move to Canada to pursue hockey and all those things. So I think it's a lot of you know a lot of appreciative things goes to to my parents and my family just just for what they've done um, and what they're doing right now. So that's why like all the you know, Team Canada memories and um, first NHL game and all those things. I, I want to just give all those uh, accomplishments and kind of those stuff to my parents. Hey, DB, just so you know, that was a, a subtle work in that he just did right there. That was a drop in to remind you and let you know he played for Canada at the World Juniors. Okay. So okay. when he, you know, all the, just a little, yeah, little sure. Team Canada memento, you know, that little thing called the, the World Junior Championships, ago. you know, that little yeah. thing, that big tournament. Yeah, yeah that thing. Yeah, Good job, sure. JJ. Good job. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> on the board. Okay, so Jordan, you talk about first times. So the first time you step on the ice and Connor McDavid is bearing down at you, other than thinking, oh crap. Like, what's your thought? Like, how do you try to defend that player who's maybe may the most indefensible player there is in the league? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, everyone knows he's, he's a great player and he, he's really fast. So I think in the regular season when we played against Edmonton and when I, that was my first time playing against Edmonton, it was, I think one time I, I got beat once and I was like, oh, chief, like, <laughs> I got, I got to be careful in my gap because, you know, he's, he's really fast. And, but, you know, after like, especially in playoffs as well, you know, he, he was, he was their best player by far. So I think it was pretty, uh, it was, it was an eye opening moment just because of how good he actually is, especially when you're on the ice against him. And, but it's also good for me to kind of just learn um, what to do and what not to do against him. Sure. 
let's let's sort of build on that one a little bit here because um again for those that maybe don't follow your career or or, or haven't read the prospect reports on mayor's manor first of all shame on them but for those people you were i mean the accolades are there you're you're rookie of the year in the quebec league you're defenseman of the year then you come up here's the most amazing thing about last year for me you were a first year pro right so by all rights really you had no business in the nhl you were a first year pro you needed to break in in the ontario uh, with the Ontario rain, et cetera. But yet you earned that spot and due to injuries, there was an opening, et cetera. And then when you get to the NHL, you look like you belong. That was the most impressive thing to me is that nobody coming into last season penciled you in to be playing in the NHL. And you look like you belong as a first year pro player. So let's build on what you just said. So you had that, oh no moment against McDavid, but when when you were playing in the NHL, which was a dream to get the call and be there. But when did you realize like, oh, wait a minute, this is more than just a dream. Like, I, I actually belong here. I can hang with these guys. Oh, fine. You need to work on your gaps and whatever. But did you have that moment where you felt like, yeah, I can do this? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously last year, like um, my goal and my objective for last year was to be an impact for the rain and trying to make an impressive showing. And luckily for, for me with the injuries and of just what happened, like um, Sean Dersey and all those guys getting called up, I got a chance to kind of showcase myself on the power play as well on five on five. And after, you know, the coaches seen me play a little bit, um, they've started to trust and trust a little more every game um, for me to just play my own game in general. And as I gained that tr uh, trust with the coaches, that's when I started getting comfortable and started to gain more confidence. And that's where I, you know, we, we had a great team and, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without my teammates last year as well. And this year. So um, that's why, you know, we had a great team that's, and that just showed, a lot of guys that was that did well uh, with the Ontario Reign, and luckily for me, I did get called up in the AHL. And um, obviously, the first game, um, I was I was very nervous. Um, I just so it was another to... it was another crap your pants moment. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the the first game, like I the even the warm ups um, before the game, I I was like when I had to do the solo lap and. I I was just trying to focus on not to fall because I was really scared that I was going to fall or I was going to do like I was just going to be embarrassed. So I was like, just don't be, don't get embarrassed or don't do anything stupid. And uh, I was just after that, I was like, okay, like it's it's game time. But um, even the first couple of shifts, I was I was still nervous. But after I kind of got the puck handling and started to skate and all those things. Um, you know, obviously the whole game, I was, I was pretty nervous. I wanted to, you know, play well, but after a couple games, um, after like the first five games, that's when I started to kind of realize that like, you know, I, I can keep up to this level and I can, I can be in this level. And so that's where I kind of realized that like, you know, now, like, I want to take advantage of what I have right now and just go from there. And that's, that's what I tried to do last season. You know, Jordan, John talks about uh, you're 21 years old. The maturity, I think that's part of it. You've been a couple of different countries. You've traveled a bit. Uh, so how frustrating is this season? Because last season 
we're just talking about this. You proved you could play in the NHL and you played three playoff games. This year you've played three games and we all know about the depth chart in LA on the right side. So uh, are you a patient person? Like how frustrating is it in saying, okay, I proved myself last season, but I just can't find a spot on this team this season. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a pretty tough question. Um, <laughs> you know, it is a little frustrating, but you know, for me personally, I, I don't want to get that in my head and True. you know, <laughs> AHL is still a great league and I still got to improve on some of the things that I have to do on the ice um, for me, for me to be an impact player on the rain and also with the Kings as well, when I get called up. So for me, I just got to control what I can control and that's me performing on the ice. And I think, you know, for me, I I am a patient person, but I also know what I can bring to the table and, you know, it's, for me, yeah, I just I just need to keep it day by day and just go from there. That's what that's what I think. You mentioned the name Sean Dursey a moment ago. Um, in talking to most players that play with dirt, they love him as a teammate. They they would happily jump into a foxhole with him. What is it about Dursey as a teammate that you just you love and admire and, and you can't get enough of? Uh, <laughs> or maybe I should ask you, do you agree with that statement for those statements <laughs> first? <a> <laughs> because if you don't, then it's a different answer. But if you agree with that, um, what, what, what is it? Um, you know, I, he, no, he is a great guy. And I agree with what all the other guys are saying. Um, you know, when you, when you're around him, he, he's a talkable guy. He, he loves, he loves, you know, he's kind of like Dewey in a way a little bit. Um, just, he loves to talk to guys. He, you know, he loves getting chirped by guys as well. Like that's, he, he's a, he's a pretty funny guy, but all around he's a, he's a good guy. You know, when you want to talk to him about stuff, like for me last year with the rain, like if I, if I wanted to talk to him about like, you know, what I should have done here or like what you should have done, like what you would have done if he was in my position there, like, you know, he's a great guy to talk to because he's, he's a great player. That's why he's in the NHL right now. So, um, but besides that, off the ice, he's, he's a he's a great guy. He's good to be around. Um, he always brings a positive energy. And, you know, he, he gets guys going as well. So, I think that's why all the, all the other guys like him. I don't know if we need another Dewey Jordan, but uh, next question is. Um, so <laughs> I was going to let that one go, DB. I mean, he's he's kind of like Dewey. Like, there's yeah, nobody like Dewey. That's a one of a kind sort of, is, sort of we're situation. We're in trouble for another ten years, <laughs> Jordan. So hockey players are creature of habits. Are, are you superstitious? Is there a do you eat the same meal? Do you travel to the arena the same way? Do you put your right boot on and then your left boot on? Are you a superstitious person? Um be honest no not really like the only thing that i really have to do during um on the game days is i have to take a, a two-hour nap that's that's my that's my that's my thing that i have to do and um when i get to the rank i i do have like a little bit of a routine what to do what to do like i like i get there i, I have to take my stick um right when i get there and then soccer is is a big thing for us, like for our team. So yep. we play sewer, um, and then just warm up. So I, I don't really have much to be honest. Um, but like the only thing that I have to do every, every game, um, is I have to take a two hour nap. 
Wow, two hours, DB. It's like uh, one hour. I'm good. I don't. I don't know if I could take a two hour. When you're nap. old like me. You need a two hour nap. Well, so can, but he's I young. He's not old like you. He's young. <laughs> no, so I don't. I don't know. know. Maybe. I know the value of a two hour nap. Ah, oh, after this interview, I'm gonna go take a two hour he's nap. Not cha- you're not chasing Connor McDavid. Uh, he needs. Yeah, it's true. If you're chasing Connor, you might need a three hour nap if you're chasing McDavid around. <laughs> hey, um. How about this though? Uh, from what I understand and talking to some of the guys and whatnot, you're you're a big gamer, right? You're you're. I hear you're the best video gamer on the team. I don't even know what that means, by the way. How how does one become the best video gamer? What does that mean? Like they can just drop any game in, and and you're going to be the best at that game. I don't know who said that, to be honest. But like, it, it just depends. Like, if, if JJ, I, I'm not I'm giving up my sources. Like, don't 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 try to needle me to find out who's saying what about you. Don't no, that's, that doesn't work that way. Well, yeah, like I, I do like playing video games. Like uh, there are actually a good amount of guys that play video games. Like with the rain, you know, obviously you got you got Turk. I was just um, gonna say I heard Turk is one of the gamers, but he's now yeah, he's oh, on the yeah. road trip. So what, yeah, what are you gonna be? You gonna be texting trip. him late night? Like, hey, you know, I know you're in Nashville, but let's let's play some video games here. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm gonna miss him for playing video games. <laughs> that's for sure. But um, be, besides him, like. I, uh, Tyler Madden, um, Aiden do that. That's kind of like, and Turk, like that's the kind of like the guys that I, I play, um, with the rain. But, um, when I'm up, I think there's still a good amount of guys. Like you got Byfield, Kupari, um, Adrian Kempe is really good. But Kempe well, only so wants he, to play FIFA though. That's the only game he wants to play. Actually, no, it's, it's FIFA or call of duty right now for oh, him, but, okay. um, but it, yeah, I do. I do game, and it's it's always a good time because uh, when I when we play with the guys, so it's if we're, if we're tired or if we don't, we don't want to do anything, we either just uh, you know watch Netflix, watch TV, or play video games with the boys. I love it, DB Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. You know, we we mentioned at the top, born in Australia, so you're the first Australian-born player in the league, and then the first. Uh, with Japanese citizenship. Um, but is that lost on you, the fact that, you know, young Japanese players, uh, kids might see you be playing in the NHL, and now you're kind of a role model to saying, okay, you can play this sport as well? Yeah, like, I I, I hope so. I mean, I think um, hockey's grown all around the world, even, like, when I, when I played in, when I was playing in Japan. Um, it wasn't as big, but... Um, you know, my mom tells me that it's 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 grown because obviously my family's still there, and um, for me to be a role model for the kids that are in Japan playing hockey, that's you know it's, it's awesome because you know it doesn't matter what sport you start with if you, if you love it, you should pursue it and continue and see where where you go really. So um, it is pretty cool to kind of think it that way, but. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's it's awesome if if they look up to that and kind of want to pursue hockey um, to be a professional hockey player. I mean, we just talking there a little bit about the Japanese part of it, but how much do you really identify with Australia? I'm curious because I don't know if you've heard the rumors, but there's talk that the NHL might be going to Australia. How great would that be to do an exhibition game there or whatnot in Australia? Would that mean anything to you? Is what I'm asking uh, if if you were to be part of it. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I was born in Sydney, Australia, and, you know, I, I don't remember anything at all. So, like, I, I can't, yeah. like, say, oh, yeah, it's an amazing spot, but, you know. 
there's, <laughs> there's a lot of good things about Australia just with everything. So like if, if that happens then that's, that's unreal. Like it's, 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 it's a pretty cool experience because I've never been back to Australia since I was born. So wow. it'll be pretty cool to kind of visit there and also play exhibition games there as well. So forget the hockey. You're just looking for a free trip to go back and trace your roots is really what it is, right? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm hearing here. No, I want to do both. Okay. Both okay. You want to do both. Nice. All right. Yeah. Got it. Uh, back to dude, Dudas in the gaming. We need to wrap this interview up, but I'm so fascinated by this. I, how do you, how do you get Dudas to play a video game? I thought he just wants to golf all day. Oh man. He, uh, he's, uh, it, we have to really convince him to be honest with you. <laughs> because, I expected that. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he golfs a lot, but you know, he talks about how, oh, he's like, oh man, like I'm missing out and all these things, but we're like, well, man, if, you, if you're missing out, then why don't you play with us? And he's like, well, I got to get an Xbox and then I got to get a controller and all these things. I'm like, well, uh, so difficult. If you're, oh, I, I know. I'm like, if you're if you're complaining about it, like, just just get it and play with us. So eventually at the start of the season, he, he got he got the Xbox and now he, he loves playing with us. It would have been better if you guys all said that you all chipped in 20 bucks each and bought him the Xbox and the controller because you were tired of hearing him, hearing him complain oh, about it. Man, that's actually so funny because he actually said that. So <laughs> he, he he told me, he was just like, we're telling him. I was like, come on, you got to get an Xbox. He's like, well, if you guys chip in 10 or 20 bucks each, then it. I'll get it. Come on. I'm like, oh, man, you're so cheap. <laughs> wow. No, don't do it, Jordan. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let him spend his own cash. Get out of here. No way. He got found out now. (laughs) What about Akil? Have you talked to Akil recently? I know that he's on the mend, but uh, have you talked to him recently? Um, Yeah, well, I I see him every day, actually, um, at at the rink. So, you know, he's doing his workouts. And, you know, it was really, like, you know, he was really disappointed after – what happened with his injury and yeah. the surgery that he had to go through. And, you know, I, I really feel for him because that the same thing happened last year. And yeah. this year he has to do another rehab and, you know, it, it's been tough for him, but you know, it's good. It's good to kind of see him every day at the rink because we don't really see him much, but when we do, you know, we always joke around and kind of just, just talk in general because uh, yeah, we do miss him on the ice and, you know, he was a huge impact in our, with our team and, um, but you know, we're, we're excited for him to get his re- rehab and all those stuff done. So he'll be ready to go soon. Hopefully. All right. Last question. We've had some fun during the interview. We're going to let you run here, but last question, you have seen Marco Sturm as an assistant coach in Los Angeles, and now you are experiencing him as a head coach in Ontario. From your perspective, what's the difference in assistant coach Marco versus head coach Marco? You know, I think as an assistant coach, he he was kind of running the power play unit and he was helping out the forwards last year with the Kings. And, you know, he, he was great doing that. But I think this year with uh, the head coach, you know, he has he has more control. He has more. Um, he's the one that's kind of running the team. So um, for for him to kind of for me to kind of experience and see a kind of a different side of Marco, um, you know, running the drills and kind of explaining everything and doing the videos and all those things. It's, it's pretty cool. And, you know, he, he has been great. Um, um, you know, like he's, he has a lot of experience and he, this is his first time coaching uh, in the AHL uh, as a head coach. So it's a, it's also 
a first time for him, but you know, he's been great and he's been, you know, all around a good coach and all around a good person uh, as well uh, with us. So it's, uh, it's awesome for us to, to have him as a head coach. Well, hopefully you've had as much fun as we have here over the last 30 minutes. You can go back and tell uh, Dudas and, and Madden that you were a better <laughs> guest than they were. I mean, yeah. you're not quite a Keel Thomas level. That That's a whole other level, Jordan. You need to, you, you got to step your game up and come on like a second or third time because Akil's been on the program a number of times. Um, that's the gold standard, but you can certainly go back and tonight you can tell Dudas and, and Mads that uh, you were better guests on the on the podcast than they were. <laughs> oh, I will for sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell them, I'll tell them that. Great. And be sure to give a shout out to Adam as well. He's raised a good son. It's been a lot of fun, JJ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate for your, uh, for you guys having me here. All right, we'll talk to you soon. There you go, Jordan Spence. You'll see him on the Ontario Reign and the LA Kings Blue Line. We'll be back after the break. We'll talk more about Jordan Spence and a bunch of other Kings-related stuff. To the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Here we go, third and final period, Kings of the Podcast. Uh, DB, as I love to do coming out of an interview, I'll put you on the spot. What are the takeaways that you, you know, have coming out of that interview there talking to JJ, I'm going to call him this time, not Spenny, talking to JJ. <laughs> what'd you like about that interview, DB, or what stood out for you? Kid's only 21 years old, but has maturity of what, a 30-year-old. So that's the thing is that... And it goes along the, the type of players that and characters that the your organization drafts at this point. So uh, just uh, just a great a great story from Australia to ja Japan to Prince Edward Island, not knowing how to speak a lot of English. Uh, I don't think being in the minor leagues is really deterring Jordan because of his travels and what he's done to get to this point. So look, at some point he'll get his opportunity. He has to have patience. It's hard being patient when you're 21. But uh, a really good interview and a, I think a more forthcoming interview than I thought. And and the last point that you made there is what I really would like to give him credit for. So uh, I'll make sure to give him a nod the next time I see him at the rink. But I do appreciate the fact that he let his hair down a little bit and that he he was, yep. you know, because he is so mature, he is so polished, he is so buttoned up, he says all the right things, does all the right things. Uh, but that, you know, as I said during the interview, that's not who we are, right? This is a different program. And <laughs> I love the fact that he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. He he knew what he was getting himself into yeah, when he signed up for it. So. Uh, but it was good. Exactly. Yes, yes, absolutely. But it was good for him to uh, have an opportunity to sort of, you know, have his moment in the sun and shine a little bit. And uh, I look fun, forward yeah. to watching his progression here in the second half of the year. Hey, GM Rob Blake, he has a lot on his plate right now, Dennis. Um, he has potentially a goaltending problem, as Todd McClellan was asked about the other night. He's going to have to sort that out. You can't go out and acquire a goaltender. We can get into that. Uh, unless you want to carry three goalies for the rest of the year because you're not trading Jonathan Quick. So he's on the roster. And about the only thing you can do with Phoenix Copley at this point would be to trade him because you can't put him on waivers to send him back to 
the American League. Someone's going to probably yeah. pluck him. Somebody always needs goalie help. So Blake's trying to deal with the goaltending situation. He also has, uh, well, among his forwards, either now or in the summer, he's going to have to sort that out because he has too many forwards uh, coming into next season when you look at guys coming off their entry-level deal. But the real mess that he has is on defense because mm -hmm. he has too many guys on the right-hand side, including Jordan Spence. Um, let's just start there, Dennis. Okay. Where are you at in terms of what you think the Kings need to do defensively heading into the trade deadline? And I would start with today. What do they need to do today as they look look ahead to the trade deadline, which is coming up in about mm, five weeks, six weeks? Well, they have to roll the dice with the current goaltenders. Uh, I just don't see a path. To, you know, what do you do, Trevor Cam Talbot? I mean, who's save percentage is under 900. Uh, I think they got to ride and die with what they have here. Uh, it's just interesting that Pierre Dorian was in the, in the house on Thursday, and he's been talking about getting a right-handed defenseman for a year now in Ottawa. So let's go, Pierre. There's only 12 guys in Los Angeles you could trade for. Just being facetious about 12. Uh, You're pretty so close, DB. Thing. I think we could probably get to eight if we if we counted deep enough. Uh, yeah, right right side is loaded. That is that – is And most of the eight are better than what they have on their right side except for the top pair. So uh, here's my take, and I've said this before. Uh, short of Colorado, and they're getting healthy, John. They look a little bit more dangerous because they've won three straight. Like This is the year to take the big swing. This is it because you can't give me the second team behind Colorado that you're fearful of that you don't think you can beat in the playoffs. I don't see it. Vegas, beatable. I don't know if Stone's healthy. Calgary, Edmonton, you took Edmonton to seven. I don't know if Calgary's going to even make the playoffs. This would be the year. And maybe it's not even L.A., but somebody's going to take a big swing because they think they can get best Colorado to a cup final. It, we know what the need is. It's left D. The, the problem is, and you and I have talked about it. We talked about it Thursday if you did your great hit on uh, on Bally's. Like, do you want to disrupt this roster to get that lefty for this playoff run? Like, do you want to do that? That's the decision Rob has to make. I'm not sure. That's a risky thing because you're going to have to take, if it's Chikrin, if it's pro, whoever, maybe not so for Gavrikov because he's a rental, but if it's the big swing, John, you're going to have to disrupt it. You're going to have to take a playoff consequence off this roster. And it's going to be a forward, right? So mm -hmm. do you do that? Do you want to do that? Do you, do you plug up one hole and creates another one, especially with four forwards out? Right. So you know me, I would make the deal. I think it's really difficult to do it in the middle of the season, given their circumstances. So that's my take on it. Forwards, I'm not making a move there. They've got enough up front. It's, it's the left side D. And again, I would want to do it. But again, it's not a risk. It's not a no brainer. It's it would, John, it would be easy. And you have talked about this to do it in the summertime. Yeah, it is. E it is easier to do it in the summer. You're absolutely right. Um, just so that everybody's clear, the reason why we're saying you probably have to move forward in the deal is for cap reasons. So they did gain a little bit of cap, uh, um, you know, but look, the reality is they came into the season with only, I believe, I'd have to go back and double check. I think it was $250,000 in cap space. Yes, it was pretty minimal after signing, after signing up everybody. So you still do have to pay Mikey Anderson. Let's not forget that either, because... Yep. That's also lurking in the summer, all right? He, you're not getting him for another million dollars for next year. So Mikey's going to have to get paid. Now, he is a an RFA, so you know it's a little bit of a different situation. He's not going to get $8 million, We understand that. But Correct. even Mikey getting to $3 million a year, right, um, that is two more million than you're paying him this year, and the cap's not mm -hmm. moving up enough. So you've already you know, picked up some money there. You're not picking up as much money as, as people are making it out to believe with Jonathan Quick off the books next year as well. I think... Can we can we both agree with this, uh, Dennis? This is Jonathan Quick's final season in L.A. And what I mean by that is he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. 
barring something crazy happening between now and the end of the year. And first of all, by crazy, I mean that he becomes 2012 Jonathan Quick is what I mean. Right. Right. So uh, just rapid fire. I don't think there's a chance in hell they trade Jonathan Quick at the deadline. Would you agree? Yeah. And the other option would be wave him, which is certainly not going to do to the greatest goal. You're not you're not doing either. Right. So Jonathan Quick, he's with you till the end of the year. That's the respect that he's earned and he's going to and he's going to receive. So he's with you till the end of the year. He's an unrestricted free agent. I don't see a scenario where Jonathan Quick is re-signed and brought back next year, which to me, you would you agree with that? Yeah, at this point, no, you would. He'd have to revert back to and I just don't see it happening. Right. And if there was ever a time to sign him to an extension for another year, it would have been last summer coming off the playoff year of last year. And But, you know, he says right. he wants to continue to play. And if he continues to play, it's probably going to be for somebody else. Um, it's not going to be for the L.A. Kings. That That's uh, that's something that the Kings will have to take care of in the summer. The point of where mm-hmm. I was going with yes. that is, and I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, when you get the money for quick coming off the books, you really don't get all of that money. Because you're going to spend two million of that to go out and get another goaltender. I'm I'm saying an average goaltender getting two million. Maybe you're going to spend all of it and go out and get somebody else. I don't know, but you know, given that you're already paying five million to Cal, you're probably going to go out and sign another goaltender for two million, which is going to free up a little bit of money to probably help you pay Mikey. That's about it, and you're back to net zero. And oh, by the way, Gabe needs a contract extension. Um, so to your point, you have to move money off off the books in order to bring somebody in. Yeah. And if Gabe Gabe Velarde happened to be in that deal, um, mm-hmm. it's not giving it's not putting a lot of money in the deal because he doesn't make a lot of money right now. So right. it might save you off of next year's situation because he's going to cost you more money next year. But it's not mm-hmm. really helping you this year. So you have to put somebody more of consequence to your to your point to go out and make a big swing on a defenseman. It's not as easy as just plugging it in because you have to solve for the cap issue. And yeah. I just don't see that player available it's going to free up well, a lot of cap space. But that's Who? what makes Jacob Chikrin so attractive. His cap hit is 4-6. Well, they you still have to find it. a way to get the $4 million in. Yeah, but here's the deal. To get Chikrin, you're talking about giving up at least one first-round pick. Even if you put Velarde mm-hmm. and whoever in that deal, right? You still have to put a first-round pick in that deal. Yep. Because they just don't... They're, they're not trading Byfield and, and Clark to mm-hmm. get Chikrin. I mean, they're just not. Right. So right. you have to include a first round mm-hmm. pick. Now they will have gone two years without a first round pick. Would you still do the deal? Yep. It's time. I don't care about it. You go trade for another pick. Go pick trade for a high second or something down the road. Yeah. I, I, because this this solves this problem for this season and two more. That solves that it, problem. It, and so it I does give you a little more runway. I do kind of like the deal with with Columbus though instead because if it costs you a second and a third, yeah. you're also picking up size. Mm-hmm. And and if Chikrin doesn't move somewhere else, it also gives you the opportunity to circle back on the Chikrin deal because mm-hmm. uh, you're getting a player who's a UFA at the end of the year, and you might be able to make the, the, the contract situation part of it work a little bit better. Um, but here's the thing, Which is fine with me. I, if he went and got Chikrin, I mean, uh, Gavrikov, that'd be fine. I, and I'd have no problem. I mean, depends on the payment, but I, I'd have no problem with it. A and second and a third, probably. Payment. Yeah, and you can take another swing of chicken in the offseason. Yeah, I have no problem with it. I mean, that's it's it just, do you want to ever put this to bed? Like, getting Gavrikov, unless you're going to extend him, isn't going <laughs> to put this problem to bed. It's still, it's still, it's still going to be that nightmare if we need another left side defenseman. So this would end that conversation. So we'll see. 
I think if you could extend him, that would be the best of all worlds, right? Now you're going out and getting somebody, and then you're able to extend him as yeah. well. They're, they're going to get the offense. People point to, oh, Chikrin's putting up points and everything else. The way that this roster is set, you're going to get the offense off the right side because you're going to get Clark, you're going to get Dursey, you're going to get Spence, you're going to mm-hmm. get Dowdy. The right side's giving you the offense. So you can get more of... I keep pointing to Robin Regeer because he's the most recent example, but you you can get a defensive defenseman. Hell, you can get a Mikey Anderson type, right? More of a defensive defenseman to fill up that left side. If Matt Roy played on the left side, this problem really would be solved for the LA Kings because you'd have him over on the left playing Matt Roy style hockey and you could load up on the right side with all of your offensive players. Yeah, no, but the thing is, John, that Chicken's been a monster since he came back. He's got 23 points in 29 games, plus five on a team that stinks that I think lost nine in a row. I, that that's why Armstrong is going to hold out for the, the highest taker, and that's why this would solve that problem. But I, I agree. I, there there are other ways to solve this, not just this one player. It's not all or nothing. There are some other options that Rob does have, either at the deadline or in the offseason. Throw the goaltender from Phoenix into the package as well. So get Chikrin and a goalie coming over from Phoenix, and then now I would be okay putting the first rounder uh, into in, into play there. Yeah, have to trade a lot more than that. I, I, I don't. No, I, obviously you're gonna have to trade. If you're gonna trade, if you're gonna trade a first rounder, a first round pick, a first round player, and a second round, which is a mid tier yeah. or, or B prospect, right there, just to get Chikrin, right? You right. absolutely are gonna have to pay more to get the goaltender. I mean, yeah. that's a no big question. swing, though. That's a big swing. That's a huge swing. He's swinging for a grand slam. Like that. That would be, that would be big. But yeah, we'll see. I don't want to set Rob up for failure here, but let's say this, Dennis. Two summers ago, Rob Blake clearly won the summer, right? In signing Phil Deneau. That was no doubt about it. Rob Blake won the summer. And he also traded for Arvidsson that summer. Um, This past summer, he won the summer again. If there was a GM of the summer, he won the summer again, getting Kevin Fiala in that trade and then signing him to a long-term extension. Uh, If Rob Blake could pull that deal off, he would win the trade deadline, Dennis, because I don't think any other GM is going to be able to pull in that kind of a haul. Uh at this particular time to put his team over the top. That would, you would win the trade deadline with a deal like that DB. Yeah. The, the only thing is like, if you trade for chicken, like you're not, you're not sending away assets on a rental. Like, cause rental usually means, okay, this is the player that's going to put them over. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that chicken would put them over or at least to get them to a, at least to a divisional final. Um, so that, that's, that's what you're weighing here. How do you best use your assets for one player who's not on term, who walks away, who there's more risk with respect to the walk away, or the better player who's going to cost you more but does have term on his deal. So it's going to be a really interesting deadline. Or does Rob just – or does this team go five out of six on this road trip and Rob says, okay, I'm holding my assets. I think I can I can run with this team, which I don't think is going to happen. But I, I, I think this road trip, John, shows you a lot because now you're talking about less than a month away from the trade deadline. Like – Go four and one. Go three, two, and one on this trip to say, okay, we're going to be in competition for the division. And that's the other thing, John. You get if you find a way to them in the division, you have home ice for one round, maybe two rounds. That would that's another plus. Okay, so this is what I would do. If I'm the coach and the GM, I get together before this road trip, and I play to- Toby Bjornfoot every game on the road trip. And here's my reason why. Mm-hmm. You know, you need left hand, right? So you're trying to evaluate, are you, to, to your point, are you going to stick with what you have, whatever it is that you have, any combination thereof? And you can include Mavari, and you can include Spence, and you can include Bjornfoot. Out of the 10 defensemen that you have, how are you going to put your seven together? And really, how are you going to put your six together for the balance of the year? If that's what you're looking at, 
then what you do is you play Toby Bjornfoot every game on this road trip to see what you really have and if he can go over and fill in on that left side because you already know what you have in everybody else. You know what you have in Dursey. You know what you have in Roy. You know what you have in Walker. You even know what you have in Spence. The guy that's the question mark that you really – somebody doesn't know. You mentioned the, the confidence in Jad. It's like, what's the problem here? What's the problem? Toby Bjornfoot played more games than anybody else in the yeah. LA or in the NHL for the LA Kings last year. Drew Doughty's already signed off on him. He loves Toby Bjornfoot. What's the issue with Toby Bjornfoot right now? He's not good enough. Says who? The coach. The GM who doesn't have him on the roster. I mean, here's the thing, John. Here's the He's issue. on the roster. He's on the road trip. He's on the roster. Uh, right now he is. So you're going to play him put him in there when you don't play him at all? Like how many I games? I play him every game. Yeah, I don't think that's not happening. And here's the challenge. Here's the issue. The real the overarching issue is that uh, Alex Hitler's on pace for 71 games, which he hasn't done in five years, which I don't think that's going to end well. Like, you, you can't play him this much in the second half. He's going to wear down, and that's a challenge. That's the issue. You know, and and uh, one, of the, one of our followers on Twitter, like, well, you know, because there was some talk about, like, holding on, on Ottawa because they were in-house, and he's a big left-side defenseman. They're like, what about Mavari? What about Bjornfoot? They're 7D in this league. That's the problem. And you might believe more in Bjornfoot. I don't. Yeah, he, he doesn't move the needle for me. He looks like a 7D right now. So to put him in for Edler, all the games? No. Two, you want to play him against Philly, Chicago? Yeah, I agree with you, John. Should be in the game. You got, you'd need another option here, right? I don't know the option, but here's the thing, John. If they really believed in, in Bjornfoot and Movari as the internal option, they would be playing already, and they're not. And that's the challenge. That's why my thinking is they're going to go outside the organization because they had the guy to put in the rotation. They haven't put that guy in. So, yes, I get your well, point. Well, part of the reason they haven't put him in is because part of the reason they haven't put him in, though, is because they wanted to see Sean Walker back fully healthy. He needed to get 20 to 25 games. We're there. We're past it. We're there. This is Sean Walker. This is what you have. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? Yeah. Is that enough? Is that a reason to push Dursey over to the left side? I say no. Put Dursey over there. And I mm-hmm. think that if you put, this is really not that hard to me. I don't understand why it's so difficult. It's, it should not be this difficult. Bjorn Foot, when he, go back two seasons ago, two seasons ago, mm-hmm. when Bjorn Foot came in and uh, uh, played on the left side, second pairing, he solidified that D. That team instantly became better when he was there, when they shuffled everybody. I say it's not that hard. You put Bjornfit on the second pair, you let him play there, and you can put whoever you want on the right-hand side. You can either go Dursey on the right side next to Bjornfoot, and then you would have offense on that line, or you could stick with Matt Roy if you wanted more of a shutdown second pair with Roy and Bjornfoot, because neither one's going to give you a lot of offense. And then on the third pair, you could go with Edler, and you could go with Dursey. And if you wanted Walker in the game, you can have Walker play on the left side with Dursey, or you could slide Dursey over to the left side, and you could have Walker play there. Depends if you want Edler in the lineup or not. But my point is, you still get the offense from Dersey. He's still in the lineup. You can still put Dersey out on the power play, right? Just like they have Fiala on the third line, but he's still on the power play. You can do the same thing with Dersey. He doesn't have to be on the second pair to get power play. But you can put Bjornfoot, even without sparing Edler, you can give Bjornfoot every game on this road trip, and you can actually see if he is going to be able to give you that internal option that you're talking about, Dennis, if you don't want to spend the assets. You need something. You need something better than what you have. Well, he, he's played four games. He's played 15 minutes a night. He's a third pair guy. Like, if you think that's going to help, and, and it, it, he's he's only he's not a top four guy. If you want him to spell um, Edler 
and play him half the games for the balance of the season, no problem with it. If you're asking for, if you think he can do better than that, I don't. Uh, he because John he played the seventy games last year, didn't make the roster. Like so, I mean, I'm not convinced. I I, I think you have a higher level of trust in that player than I do. Because and they did have a stretch in December okay. where he played four games. He, he played the first half of December. He played the, the four games. He played Buffalo, uh, Columbus, Carolina, Arizona. So he had a four game run there. And you know what? His his numbers went down. He played nine, only 19 minutes against Arizona. He wanted to play 14 minutes against Buffalo. Haven't well, seen him part since. of that is situational. If you go back and look at power plays and penalty kill and things like that. But yeah. I'll say this: we uh, have listeners a, who. Yeah, go ahead. We have listeners who love to pull pull tape, pull clips, give us examples. I'm asking for an example. Show me where Toby Bjornfoot has cost the Kings a game. Show me where Toby Bjornfoot has been undressed. Show me where he's looked out of place. I don't I don't know where that is. I'd like to see Toby Bjornfoot back in the lineup. Let's do this, DB. We could argue about Toby Bjornfoot forever. We argued for about Gabe Velarde forever, and he's he's doing just fine. Um, I'm not saying he's Gabe Velarde. I'm just saying these arguments don't mean anything until the players get in the lineup. So um, let's look at this road trip. They're playing that we're recording this on Saturday. They're playing Nashville. Uh, after Nashville, they have a back to back. They go into Chicago and they play there. Then they get Monday off mm-hmm. and then they go into Philadelphia and they play the Flyers. So they open this road trip coming off of two losses at home, but they only played two games right. over the course of, you know, five, six days there. So they didn't play a lot of hockey. They played two games at home. Both were a loss, New Jersey and Dallas lost in both really didn't look that good in either one. Although they looked better in the Jersey game, if you had to, if you had to pick one, can we agree on that, Dennis? Yeah, they were rusty okay. shit in uh, against Dallas. Sure. Okay. All right. I just didn't know if we needed to argue about that for another twenty minutes. Okay. So we agree on that. So now they're playing. They're opening a road trip, playing three and four uh, four nights, going against Nashville, Chicago, Flyers. Line those games up, Dennis. What are you expecting? Uh, five points out of six. Got to happen because look at the back end of that. Florida, who's better, playing better, Tampa and Carolina. Okay, so you're going to be underdogs in all three games. So, yeah, go win. But you know you're going to get the mayor bump, though. But you're going to get the mayor bump because I'm going to be in Florida. I'm going to be in Tampa. So you're going to get the mayor bump out there on the road, oh. DB. Uh-oh. Now you just you just put money on the board, though. They better win. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the front end of this. And, I, and then, look, I know they've lost to Chicago. I know they lost to Philly. But – these are no excuses games. Nashville doesn't score a lot of goals. Chicago is not a good team. Philly, yeah, the bounce back, but like go get five out of six, go get six out of six points, and then worry about the back end after that. I love it. I love it. Worry about the back end later. Take care of business in these first three games. Here's what I need to see, Dennis. I need to see a response for that miserable New Year's Eve loss to the Flyers at home. Yep. So remember what the Bruins did when they came here, right? And they kicked up on LA and said, hey, we remember what you guys did to us in our barn, so we're going to come here and take care of it. I need to see the exact same thing from the Kings in Philadelphia on, on Tuesday night. But to start the uh, the trip out, in Nashville, I go back to Kopitar talking in the room after the game the other night. And what did he say, Dennis? He said, I want to get back out there right now. I don't like when there's a long break. I need to get back out there. I don't yeah. want to prove it in practice. Yeah. I want to prove it in the game. I need a big game from Andre Kopitar in Nashville. I need a two-point, two-goal night. I need a three-point night. I need something big. I want to see 11 leading from the front tonight, showing that he's pissed off and starting the road trip off with a bang. Yeah, great point, John. That's it? No pushback? That's it. No, no. No pushback at all. No, no. Lead by example. Right. Like now, Six this games. Is a stri- yeah, this is a stretch. This is a pivotal stretch because you also want to show Blake, hey, look, we're in it to win it. Like, we want to win this division. And 
like if we need help, help us out by March 3rd. So yeah, I think this is this is this is the, this is a defining road trip for this team. All right, let me ask you this then, and we'll wrap up the show today. By the way, thanks again to JJ Jordan Spence for coming in and uh, spinning a little uh, heat with us here, talking about his life. We love talking to Jordan Spence. That was a lot of fun in the second period. Thanks as well to all the listeners, by the way, DB. We love seeing people uh, come by and visit us during the uh, the intermissions oh, yeah. there. Um, and by the way, Dennis, I just want to do. I do want to give a quick shout out. I'm going to get back to my question in a minute, which was goaltending on the six games. I want to give a shout out to the LA Kings Booster Club. You know, enough people don't stop by there. They have a booth outside of M8, section aisle eight, whatever you want to call it, M8 on the lower bowl. And um, they have that puck for a buck contest. Man, that's a pretty good deal, Dennis. For a buck, you can get an autographed puck. So the other night it was Phil Deneau. For a dollar, you can have a chance at a Phil. And it's not like you're, you're, it's, people play it, they pick a dollar to win the lottery. Now, obviously you're winning millions of dollars. It's different, but I'm saying it's a dollar, people. It's a dollar. dollar. You can't buy anything inside crypto.com arena for a dollar. Go over there. Every home game, they're there. Put a dollar down. You might win an autographed puck. Dennis, there we're going to do. You and I are going to, I just came up with this. You and I are going to autograph pucks. Nobody gives a shit about us, Dennis, but you and I are going to autograph pucks and we're going to send all the Kings, the podcast fans over to the table. And for a dollar, you guys can win an autographed puck from me and from Dennis. How about that? DB, you should be for a dollar. I should be for a dollar and we'll see which puck sells better. Ooh, God, I'm loving this. Wearing my marketing hat today, DB. Back okay. to Phil to know. We don't have to pay the people. We don't have to pay the people who take the puck a dollar. I'm going to stand outside that table with a $50 bill, Dennis, and I will pay for every single Kings of the Podcast fan that wants to buy. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. At the, I'm going to do that, Dennis, and I challenge you to do this. Brilliant. We have 18,000. Listen, we have 18,000 Kings fans in the building. The attendance has been up. Have you right noticed, here. by the way? DB is oh, yeah. showing money to me right now it's on 50, the screen. It's the 50 right there. Yeah. Have you noticed, Dennis, that yeah. the building has been more full the last couple yes. weeks? Yeah. So thank you, Kings fans, for coming out and filling yeah. the building and getting behind this team. Yeah. This team is back on the winning track. They're challenging for the division. Goals. It's actually exciting and entertaining. And this is not a 2-1 team anymore. They're one of the top yeah. offensive teams in the NHL. Here's what I'm going to do, Dennis. I'm going to take a $50 bill. And I'm going to go stand by that table at an upcoming home game. Home, home, I can talk. At an upcoming home game. I challenge you to do the same thing. I will stand on one side if you want to stand on the other. And for every Kings of the Podcast fan that wants to come over and buy Puck for a Buck, I will pay your dollar. You don't even, as I'm telling you, you can get a free yeah. autograph Puck. I'll pay your dollar just so that you know where the table is and you know how to do it. And all you have to do for me to pay $1 for you to come over and get a puck for a buck is promise me that at the next home game, you'll come by on your own and you'll pay the dollar. That's all I need. I just, I'll take your verbal word. I will agree. It'll be a verbal contract. Dennis. Fans. Uh, the mayor is giving till it hurts. So I'm I giving. Cause I want to see fans involved. I love, you know, the smiles on people's faces right. when they win a, an autographed puck. It's pretty cool. And it's only a dollar. So yeah. There you go. There's my Even there's the my donkeys pitch. couldn't afford a dollar. Exactly. Even the donk that would be a great shirt, by the way. Even the donkeys can afford a dollar. So I'll stand on one side of the table and I'm gonna drag Dennis Bernstein to the other side of the table. We will pay for the kings of the podcast fans. Let's build the pot up. They also have another game. I, I don't totally understand how it works because people smarter than me have tried to explain it. But it's like it's a chip game where yeah. they put on the uh, um a chip. Like who all the different players and who's going to score a goal. And they have another one like who scores the game winner, who scores the first mm -hmm. goal and who gets the first penalty of the game, um, which is rather punitive. But whatever. Um, Kevin Fiala is a frequent winner, I would imagine, given his, his penalty <laughs> proficiency. Um, 
Anyway, you pay like a dollar and you get to pull a chip out of a bag. And then I, I don't know exactly how it works, but stop by the table. Somebody over at the table will be happy. It's like, to- John, it's like when I won the um, game winning goal with the Stanley Cup final. Yes. Yes. Mass country. Same thing. You pick a number out and then, you know, you get okay. a payoff. And how much did you win? $720. Holy crap, Dennis. $700. Yeah. No, because they, we went through, because the media at the Stanley Cup final is, I, t- I think I didn't tell the story in the podcast. There's a lot, and so they go through the entire roster, right? So it's 40, it's 23 guys on a team. So you're going, and there's a lot of media there, and it's, a, it's been a tradition in the media. And, and so it was after game four in Tampa. It was before game four in Tampa. And I picked uh, Nicholas Obey Kubel. I'm like, okay. Before the game, uh, Jonathan Bernier, not the Jonathan Bernier, but the guy who writes in Montreal for the Journal de Montreal, <laughs> comes up to me. She goes, he goes, so by the way, if Nas Kadri comes in, you get Kadri. So it's Done. three and three in overtime, Kadri. And then the puck, and they weren't sure the puck went in the net. I'm like, ah, I think that was a goal. I'm like, wait a minute. That was Kadri. Love it. Love <laughs> and so it. Seven, and it's in a coffee cup, John. So there was a picture. I still have the picture of a coffee cup, like all these 20s in a coffee cup. Yes. And so we we get we pick up our gear. We're getting out of the arena at, at Amelie Arena. And I'm like, I left the coffee cup on the on the, de- the oh, dasher geez. at the in, in my immediate spot. So I like ran back. I like it was still there. Like somebody, one of the cleaning people could have picked up easy seven hundred dollars. But that's yes. Uh, so that's a tradition. So yeah. So I guess it's the same thing. Like you, you okay. get you pull a name and if you if you win, you get whatever the proceeds are. All right. So we will pay puck for a buck, and then if you want to play the chip game, you can do that as well. There you go. LA Kings Booster Club, lower level of uh, Crypto Arena. It's right at aisle M8, which in my opinion is on the west side of the building, but whatever. You don't even have to know the directions. You just follow the signs around to M8. There you go. It's over by the old sushi place that used to be in there, um, if I have my bearings straight. Back to the road trip, Dennis. Let's wrap this episode up. Six games on the road trip. Call your shot now. How many games? Uh, I'll go Phoenix Copley. How many games does Phoenix Copley start of the six games? He starts four of the six. He won't play in Chicago. And I, I assume that back-to-back in Florida. So okay. the Tampa game. Or do you start Jonathan Quick against Philadelphia and let him try to get a revenge win? <laughs> I want to get him a win. Chicago's <laughs> the worst team on the Chicago's the worst team on the trip. You play him against Chicago. Okay. I'm going to go with you. I say four starts for Phoenix Copley. I say if Jonathan Quick gets four starts on this trip, the Kings are in trouble. That means something's gone way. You should see Dennis's eyes. That means something went way, way, way wrong with candy canes. So we're looking for a big bounce back game coming off of the other night. A little bit rusty. They're going to come out tonight in Nashville. They're going to take care of it. Then Chicago, then Philly. Dennis has already called it five of six points. We'll find out. And uh, Dennis, most likely the next time we talk to everybody, we will be uh, we'll be having umbrella drinks. We'll be wearing flip flops. Yeah. We'll be in Florida, and let's let's not tell everybody just yet. But we'll also be part partying with Connor McDavid. We'll tell you more about that on the next podcast. And, and like Gordon Saul used to say, "So long from the Sunshine State." We can sound off that episode of the uh, podcast uh, like the, he did on Championship Wrestling from Florida. There you go. Nothing wrong with a little Gordon Soli reference. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again The life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again Going places that I've never been 
Seeing things that I may never see again And I can't wait to get on the road again Here we go On the road again Like a band of gypsies we go down the highway We're the best of friends Insisting that the world keep turning our way And our way Just can't wait to get on the road again The life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again Big finish And I can't wait to get on the road again